Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist and also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com and of course, follow us at AskBizLaw. And you are? Oh yeah, and my name is Nasser Pasha. I'm messed up. I guess that was my opportunity to say my name first and I didn't do it. <laughs> you totally blew it. That was your opportunity. That's fine. In fact, that was the test and you failed miserably. We like to go alphabetical order, so I don't want to get out of place. Oh, is that why we did it that way? <laughs> Obviously by last name. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. What, who goes alphabetical by first name? Uh, uh, people that forget others' last names, I suppose. I don't know. Okay. Okay. We're going to go... A little bit outside of our states here in Connecticut, but we can we can talk about this as a whole because it's pretty interesting. So, yeah, I guess it was in the federal court of appeals, but it was in the Second Circuit. There's a new Connecticut statute that's restricting insurers and claim administrators from mentioning the name of or scheduling an appointment with an affiliated glass company unless they also give the name of a competing glass company in the area. So basically, they have to inform the consumer. Um, of a, I guess the name of a, of a competitor before scheduling this appointment. And I'm sure there's more details that go into this, but this protection's in place. I would think it's to help the consumer, but yeah, this is pretty interesting. I've never really even come across something like this or, or thought about it before. Yeah. If you've ever been into an accident or your windshield breaks or whatever, Sometimes you'll get referrals, especially depending upon whether they're going to write you a check or they have to go through an authorized dealer or whatever. They'll tell you or give you a referral to who you can take your car to, right, to get your glass prepared or whatever. And so what this Connecticut law is saying, okay, look, if you're going to make a referral like that, if there's an affiliation between you and this other company, then you have to also mention a competitor. And it sounds nice. And I think the appellate court here thought the same that, okay, it sounds nice, but does this really protect the consumer or does it protect the competitor? And if you look a little bit deeper where this statute came from, it was definitely didn't come from the consumer protections advocates. It came from these other competitors, specifically in this glassware industry, apparently. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned at the beginning that when I said glass, that was the (laughs) the reason I said that. It was kind of confusing, but I'm thinking back to the last time I had my windshield replaced and I think and this wasn't in Connecticut, but they gave me three different options. And I can't remember if they just gave it to me because they wanted to get three options or, you know, maybe that was just the way they do business. Yeah. This is in California, right? So I don't know if I'd be surprised. I've never heard of any such law that does that, but I wonder if they did that out of requirement or not. Cause it was, well, it was supposed to be covered by the insurance, but I actually ended up having to pay, but maybe it was reduced, but <laughs> was it because of intentional conduct? Did you like just throw a rock at your windshield no. or what? No, it wasn't intentional, but, um, maybe I, it was three people that the insurance company was affiliated with. So, oh, that's yeah, true. That's what they said at least. Good point. Yeah. So I compare this to, you know, one of the most highly regulated industries in the country is in the healthcare industry. And a good example is when a doctor refers out a patient to an out-of-network facility that they may have ownership interest in, for example. There are requirements of disclosures to the patient that, hey, I'm referring you to this place, but just so you know, I have an ownership interest in this. So in theory, there could be a conflict, but I think this is the best for you. And 
that's required by law. And there's plenty of other disclosures like that and prohibitions and so forth that is kind of beyond the scope of this discussion. But the point is, is that in order to protect the consumer, the disclosure was made. I think if they really wanted to protect the consumer and, and not just focusing on the competitors, as an insurer, they would say, okay, well, I'm making this recommendation, but just so you know, we do have an affiliation, you do have other options, but this is what we would recommend. What's wrong with that? And I think that's fine. I and mean, I'm trying to think too, who this really, it seems like it would be something beneficial for the consumer, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. It's not as, as simple as I first thought when I kind of looked at the general idea behind it. Yeah. Though I'm reluctant to defend any kind of insurance company, just from my personal perspective and their business practices, but I think they have the right here. I, the Court of Appeals of the Second Circuit, they mention about free speech and commercial speech, and, and we kind of discussed that a little bit. might be a little bit boring, but there is free speech in this country, obviously, but then commercial speech is a protected activity unless there's some kind of government interest to protect that. And one of the things that they've done with commercial speech is they've restricted it to like, You can't say things that are fraudulent. You can't say things that are unfair in business practices and so forth. And so this is where they're coming in with that perspective with the law. In that perspective, they actually shut down the law in violation of free speech. So I'll be interested to see if this trend kind of, well, I guess not trend, this this law. This (laughs) wide sweeping trend that's taking over our country, (laughs) starting from Connecticut. I'll be interested to see if it spreads, I I guess I should say. If you think about it, to a certain extent, look at the tobacco industry. You know, I can't remember if they passed it or they were going to pass that law, which required those very graphic images on the outside of the uh, actual cigarette boxes. And I think, if I recall correctly, they also struck that down as well. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think we have a pretty interesting question of the day. Yeah, this is a difficult one, too, I think. A long one. All right, here we go. One of our employees is a backup driver for our food delivery business, and we get a discount from our insurance company if our drivers take a defensive driving course. That employee ended up taking the course but did not get approval from HR, but from her supervisor. HR says we don't have to pay her for the day until we're docking her a vacation day. I wasn't as sure... What do you think? Thanks, guys, in Texas. It went a little bit downhill towards the end in terms of grammar and spelling. but Of a big coherent or not. Well, yeah, I think so instead of basically paying her, they're going to just dock a vacation pay, which, wow, that kind of sucks for that person. Yeah, I mean, so right off the bat, whether it's legal or not, it's not something you probably want to do as a company, as an employer, but you're the Texas person, so you tell me the Texas law. Yeah, Well, I want to talk about this HR thing for a moment. We deal with uh, human resource personnel often, and there's nothing wrong with them necessarily, but for some reason, they really get caught up into their job a little too much, you know? And oftentimes, they're one of two things. Either they're so wired up to look out for the interests of the company that they're very, very strict, or two, they're so concerned about labor law violation that they become overboard too. For some reason, we've just dealt with a lot of extremes in that respect. But in my perspective, it's much better to lean towards being conservative if you're an HR personnel than the other way around. And in this case, it seems like the HR is just making kind of a mistake because first of all, federal law applies here in Texas. There's not a lot of discussion about training time and so forth, specifically in Texas that I'm aware of. But just like California and just like the federal law, if it's required training or if it's training done for purposes of work and things like that, 
then it's definitely work time. And here there's a little bit of issue with the supervisor also approving it. But even if the supervisor didn't approve it and it was something that was encouraged and part of work and everyone knew that they were taking, at least the supervisor was aware that she was taking off work in order to perform this training that she would never have gotten if it wasn't for her job, then she should be paid for it. And docking vacation pay, that's an interesting issue. I have to think about that a little bit because just like other states, Texas doesn't have a mandatory vacation law or anything like that, but you do have to follow your policy. Now, the question is, what if they drafted their policy in such a way that you get a certain number of days per year, and some of those days may be used for sick time, for vacation time, but also for training time? I've seen that before. I'm not sure that's the case in this instance, but I wonder, that may be a way for this employer to get away with it. But at the end of the day, what do you think the employer should do, though? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the employer just needs to pay them for the time. I doubt this individual you know, signed up for the course on her own and just did it and didn't run it by the company at all and left work and whatever. So legally, you know, we need to see exactly what's in their handbook, but from a common sense perspective, they need to make the right call on this one. It's just not worth the bad. Well, I don't know if there'd be like bad PR behind it, but just pay her for the time. I think within the office, I think think about this employee, they're going to complain. And if they don't complain to you, they're going to complain to their coworkers, right? And if they don't complain to their coworkers, they're going to complain to their family members at home for which they're going to just become an unhappy employee. And that sucks. Is that worth that? I mean, you're paying the person anyway, basically. You're paying a vacation day. It's just one extra day. I don't see how that's a big deal. But Well, I mean, I guess it depends too. Does she normally spend her vacation days taking defensive driving classes? Because then they might have a better argument if this is her normal type of vacation. Yeah. Very good point. (laughs) Wasn't really, but... That was probably the best point you've made this week. Thanks. Let's write that down. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yep. Keep us on. Keep us smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.